Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Listen, if we've learned anything over the NBA, from the NBA the last several years, it's when you throw a lot of talent together, it is not guaranteed to work, and if it does work, as you have seen firsthand, it usually takes a while for it to gel. And a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. And the thing about it is you never know on any given night who's going, whose turn it's going to be to sacrifice. Um, and it's definitely also going to depend on the role players as well. You know what I'm saying? Those role players have to be big for those guys, but somebody's going to have to sacrifice, and on any given night it's going to be a different guy. But those guys have to be ready to play winning basketball every single night. They got to buy in. They can't be one foot in. They can't be a half foot in. They got to be four feet in on everything. Let me ask you about this. This is going to be a big topic of conversation. Shot distribution with those big four. Here's how it went against the Nets on Wednesday night. 20 for Paul George, 18 for Russell Westbrook, 16 for Kawhi Leonard, and 9 for James Harden. Do you like that? Uh, for me, I'm okay with that. There's a lot of nonverbal over here by this like, guy. I don't know if he does. I don't know if UD likes for it. For me, is I just see it a little bit different. Who's going to guard that power forward that wants to bang? Is that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? Now, if you don't like that starting lineup of T. Lou, who do you take out of the starting lineup? That's going to be when, when UD talk about sacrifice, it's going to be more than just shots. Yeah. Somebody's going to give us some shots to go down there. If Zubak goes out and shows on the screen and roll and he has to switch and that five man dives, right? Who picks him up? Right. Who's that power forward or who's that next big or who's that small forward or two guard that wants to battle, who wants to front, who wants to box out? Who's going to get on that free throw line? You got a big over there, but then you got Udonis as a four. And I'm a two guard over here, and I'm on that free throw line. Somebody got to do the boxing out. I'm going to beat you Those up. Those little things boxing. is when you see on that free throw line, you get beat up on that free throw line. That's the person that's going to have to sacrifice. And that's when I think T. Lou is going to have to find out. And they're going to have to talk within. It's going to be collectively and singly. Somebody's going to have to do a little bit more dirty work. Well, I think that the answer to that is P.J. Tucker, right? Like, you would think that would be him, but can who you? Take, who, who, who T. Lou takes out the starting lineup for P.J. Tucker? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Sacri- sacrifice. Okay, that's what that's what I want to see that conversation. We- so you heard, you heard what the audio said. That Kawhi Leonard has now been relegated to being the person that's taken the third most shots. Only the Clippers, but it doesn't stop there. I was doing some research this morning. I came across a clip um, on YouTube featuring uh, about ESPN, on, um, ESPN first take clip. 
and they were discussing this trade. And when it came time for Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith to get on this James Harden trade, Kendrick Perkins expressed every bit of frustration and he, he expressed all of the problems that I've been seeing with this Clippers team perfectly in his monologue when he described the absolute embarrassment that the Clippers are turning into. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith said. I want you guys to listen to every single point because when I come back, I'm going to go off on this damn team. Take a listen to what Kendrick Perkins, uh, Perkins and Stephen A. Smith had to say there. I actually prayed for him. I said a prayer for T. Lou wow. because of what he's about to go through with this situation, and he deserves better. When you look at this team, before they traded for James Harden, they wasn't missing anything. When you think about a guy like Nicholas Batum, right? Not the Nicholas Batum that we expected him to be when he was in the uh, with the, with the Bobcats or the Hornets at the time. I'm talking about Nicholas Batum, the role player. He was the perfect fit for them. When you look at Robert Covington, he was the perfect fit for them, right? I'm looking at the Clippers, and they have too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. Right? You need those role players around them. So it's, this is not about Harden, right? I'm not believing the, oh, I want to win and I just want to win. That's not true. We don't trust you. But the thing is, is that I feel bad for my guy, T. Lou, because this is about to be a stressful season for him dealing with this Clipper roster. You know what's fascinating is that in the first five games of the season, and I know five games is nothing in the NBA. It's no. literally nothing. No. The first five games of the season, you know who the most effective offensive lineup three-man lineup in the whole NBA was? Let's tell us, Wendy. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Those guys were killing it. Now, look, I'm not saying they would have been that way for 82 games or throughout two months of the playoffs. But that change, they actually were playing beautiful basketball together. They were putting up some of the best offensive numbers in the league. So they make this trade, and you can tell watching these two games in New York, the Clippers' offense has collapsed. Yeah. And when you watch them, they're forcing all four of them to play together in the starting lineup. And I don't think that's going to work, but they got to manage the egos there. And in this game last night, you had Russell Westbrook taking 18 shots and James Harden taking nine. Now, again, we're talking about one game in November. It's their second game together, but that ain't going to work. That's, that, that's, not going to, that's not going to fly. So they, are, they actually had found a nice little groove after you know, Westbrook had played well for them last year before the injuries, and they've now taken that snow globe and shaken it all up. And so... Ty Lewis said he needs 10 to 15 games to figure this out. I think it's going to take longer than that. They obviously made this trade for, to, to raise their ceiling. And over the long haul, they believe that's going to be the case. But I think they may have messed up something that they had something cooking. And maybe, maybe that team with those three guys as their best offensive players, maybe they couldn't beat the Denver Nuggets when it mattered. And maybe when Harden hits his stride, if Harden hits his stride, they'll be have a chance to go up there and compete on the level of the Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, are 8-1, and one, and Nikola Jokic has nine straight 2010 games. Um, maybe that's what they did. But I would just say that the short term here has caused a setback, and it'll be interesting to see if they can ever recapture the efficiency that they had just before they made this trade. Here's my deal. <clears throat> They're 0-2 with Harden. Harden shooting 55% from the field, about 40-plus percent from three-point range taking less shots. What makes it tricky is that now you're going to ask somebody to make a sacrifice. That's basically what you're coming down to. Because I'm going to tell everybody right now, say what you want about Russell Westbrook. Ever since he's become a Los Angeles Clipper, 
he has looked a lot better. We thought his career was damn near finished when he was with the Lakers. Yeah. He's resurrected himself, and he's been a plus to that Clippers organization. And to, to me, if you're the Clippers, I'm wondering why you even felt the need to go out and get a James Harden when you have Russell Westbrook there playing the way he played. By the way, didn't play that bad in the playoffs. Remember, you don't have Kawhi Leonard. He goes down he after won the second them game. Some games. He won them some games. And then when you look at Russell Westbrook and the way that he played, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are healthy last year, are we sure Phoenix would have got out of the first no. round? No. Or the Clippers would have beat them. And so I look at it from that perspective, and I'm wondering why the Clippers didn't ask themselves that particular question. So now you've got James Harden coming here. And here's what I would say to James Harden. I'm not going to go at him like you just did, even though you ain't wrong. I will say this to you. I'm going to be nice about it. Yo, bro, three-time scoring champion, league MVP. You have everything on your resume but a championship. What you smiling about? What's so funny? What's so relaxing? You understand what I'm saying? There's something about you in your soul that needs to, it, it, it needs to be something, James Harden, that's irritating the hell out of you. Okay, you were in Brooklyn last night. Okay, we remember when Kyrie Irving went down when you were still hurting. You came out there in that game seven and you played with Kevin Durant and you couldn't get it done. It wasn't your fault, but you, you were hurt. But you couldn't beat Milwaukee, obviously. We got that. We saw that. But knowing what you sacrificed and what you were willing to put out when you were in Brooklyn before you left, they booed you last night. They booed you. Chances are you come to Philly, they're going to boo you. They booed him we in the garden. Yeah. They, they booed you in the garden the other night. We don't know whether or not you're going to get booed when you go back to Houston. Despite the great years that you've given to that city and that organization, this is what it is for you, James Harden. And so for me, it should be something in him that's hell-bent on going out there and trying to wreak havoc. And then last but not least, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, James Harden. The three guys was the most games played without an NBA championship to show on their resume. The Clippers should be, they should be the team with the biggest attitude you could possibly muster. They should be going at games night in, night out, ready to wreak havoc and show the basketball world we coming for all of y'all. That's what should be happening because with their talent, they don't have a championship. Well, well one, SA is like, this is where I disagree with you, Ed. Okay. Because you're asking someone to have some type of passion and drive about themselves, like in the James Harden, when he has shown us time and time again that he doesn't give a damn. How many times have we seen them get bounced out of the playoffs and in the same night he's been in the club? We didn't see videos of him in the club. We didn't seen it too many times. This is why I want to overreact to this loss last night. Do you realize the Brooklyn Nets were missing Ben Simmons? The Brooklyn Nets were missing Cam Johnson. And the Brooklyn Nets lost Cam Thompson, who, I, I mean, Cam Thomas, who I believe is their leading scorer right now, right. who's been balling. And you lose that game. Nick Claxton. Nick, Nick Claxton, not in the lineup. So when I think about the Clippers and I think about what Kawhi Leonard said after they lost to the New York Knicks, oh, you know, we got a lot of people that can score now. So I'm going to just, you know, I just got to wait on my opportunity. You are the opportunity. So you heard what they had to say. What did I tell you about James Harden? Kendrick Perkins is saying the exact same thing I said about James Harden. He does not care. Why are you smiling? He was smiling like, well, you know, I got to go back. Well, you know, I got to get my win back. Kawhi Leonard over there capping. 
talking about, nah, you know, we're going to get the most out of it. Everybody opportunity going to come. You heard what Kendrick Perkins said. What are you talking about, Kawhi? Why would it why would it be an equal opportunity offense when the players on the offense are not equal? Help me figure it. Why would that be the case? Why would Kawhi Leonard concede shots to players that he is better than? Why would you do that? Why? That's number 1. Number 2. What happens? When Ty Lu finally says, you know what? I think James Harden, you, you're going to need to come off the bench. What type of reaction do you think James Harden is going to have? What happens when this team starts losing and James Harden mentally checks out? What then happens? You expect James Harden to galvanize the troops, the same guy that was in a club or whatever the hell it was, the very same night he lost the playoff game, that's the guy you want in your locker room? Are you being serious right now? The Clippers offense is in shambles right now. Paul George yesterday shot about 18% from the field. 18%! Uh, Kawhi Leonard shot something like 35%. And I'm sitting there asking myself, why are they still, why, why do they still have uh, James Harden and, and all of these guys on the floor at the same time? He plays absolutely zero defense. Zero. Zilch. Once he gets beat by his man, it's over. He's not going to rotate over to the other. He's, he's not going to do none of that. But nevertheless, they still took it upon themselves to sign. Only the Clippers. I'm getting on the Clippers today. Only the Clippers. You have a good thing and you decide, what? how can we mess this up? Now, some people are saying, well, you know, the reason that they got James Harden is because inevitably, uh, 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 inevitably, there's a chance that Kawhi Leonard and those boys get injured. So we got James Harden. And when you have James Harden, what do you have? How do you figure it out? Kawhi gets injured. You have James Harden. Are you still winning? No. So what's your point? What's your point? What's your point? What is your point? You can lose with him and with, uh, 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 you can lose with Kawhi and without him. So what's your point? Number two, what kind of strategy is that? What kind of strategy is that? We're going to risk ruining the chemistry of our team in the hopes of maybe, maybe one of our stars get injured. And then we have somebody available. But in the meantime, we're going to ruin the chemistry of the team. So while you're waiting for that injury to occur, your team is getting destroyed in the standings. And this is genius thinking. Let me tell you guys what I think. This trade will not work. You can, If you like, give it 35 years. Forget about 10 games. Give it 30 years. It's not going to work. It is a bad fit. The Harden trade was absolutely unnecessary. Is James Harden a great player? Absolutely. But I don't want him on the Lakers, on, on the Clippers. I don't like the intangibles. The guy's not serious. He's not serious. Stephen A. Smith was one of What are y'all smiling about? This is what I'm trying to figure. Why are the Clippers smiling? You haven't won nothing. What is this laissez-faire attitude that they have? They haven't won nothing. If I ain't got no money in my pocket, why am I smiling like as if I do? 
There needs to be a sense of desperation. People need to be pissed off. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be all right. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. It's a process. You took something that was working and then you messed it up. You messed it up. Harden needs to go to the bench. Period. End of story. There's no other talking. There's nothing else to discuss. There's nothing else to reason over. There's nothing else to have a conversation about. Harden needs to go to the bench. Some people are asking, why are you being so hard on the Clippers? Because this is self-inflicted. Nobody did this to the Clippers. The Clippers did it all to themselves. Even last year, they did it to themselves. They thought they were being so innovative that they said, you know what? Well, you know what we're going to do? What are we, they're like, guys, what, what, what are we going to do? We're going to be resting our star players in key games, cause them to miss games. We're going to be losing games because we're going to be load managing to ensure that we ensure that their bodies are healthy, although load manage, even though load management has been proven to not do a damn thing. To the point where you even have your own, your own players criticizing this policy and Paul George on his show. They're like, you know, we're going to be low, man. And then losing games, tumbling down the standings. And then at one point they realize, oh, man, damn. We're about to be in a playing tournament. And like, you know what? We got to ramp everybody up now. Kawhi, you got to play 40 minutes a game. And then what happens? Because you try, the, the guy has not been used to be playing back-to-back games. He's not used to be playing those high minutes. You play him and you run him down to the ground. And he gets injured the very first game of the playoffs. Bravo. Bravo. You get Russell Westbrook, you have something that's working, you heard the figures that Brian Windhorst stated, and then you say to yourself, things are going well, now we want to get the number one malcontent in the NBA and James Harden, a player that nobody wanted, and we're going to bring him to our roster. And further complicate things. It's so stupid. It's just so stupid. Why would you have something that's working and then mess it up to try to then fix it? I'm besides myself with this team because it's all self-inflicted. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I get tired of these, you know, these ridiculous shots that some of these NBA uh, players try to make against Jordan. It seems like as if certain NBA players got bored of the fact that Jordan was widely considered or is widely considered the greatest player of all time. So it seems like as if these guys just sat down and like, you know what, what's the best way for, what, what's the best way for me to troll people? You know what, I'm going to come out and say Michael Jordan really wasn't all that good. Or I'm going to compare a player. Uh, that we all believe, a good majority would believe is a lesser player to him and then try to make up arguments uh, for why this player is better than Michael Jordan. And that's exactly what former NBA player uh, Jason Williams tried to do, right? Um, Jason Williams, I believe he is the co-founder or the founder of the Player's Choice podcast uh, show. I could be wrong. Um, But anyway, he's a Michael Jordan hater. Um, well-known Michael Jordan hater. But the only problem with him is, is that he always gives these ridiculous arguments as to why he believes LeBron is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. And that's my issue with him. And I think that's the issue a lot of people have with him. His arguments just aren't really good. What am I talking about? This morning I was doing some research and I came across an article on fadeawayworld.net that linked to a conversation that Jason Williams was having you know, on the NBA and and basketball. And in this conversation, he was making this ridiculous argument of why he believes LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. But before we even get into that, this video is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, 
SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app with over 28 million downloads. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeeks, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. And with the NFL and NBA season in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Now, here's the best part and the reason I absolutely love SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of one to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket is backed by the buyer's guarantee and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event. And we have great news for you because we got you guys a really, really good deal. Use code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, when you try SeatGeek by using the link in the description below, just know that you're helping this channel. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Jason Williams had to say here about why he believes LeBron makes players better than Jordan. I'm going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. Yeah. You brought up LeBron. Why was he the best you've ever played against? I think I think LeBron's the best because he he just makes everybody around him so much better. Mm. Where it gets back to the point where, well, Jordan won the game, right? Yeah. So how you argue that? But my point, like Jordan, like LeBron, when he at the at the end of the game, he's got the last second shot and he penetrates or whatever, and he's got three guys on him, he passes the ball, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Who else? LeBron James. LeBron wants to get to the basket. Here he goes. Wide open, Reddish. Does he get and, and Jordan's just rising up and shooting and making it, right? Well, back then, it was like the defense was different. Like when Jordan caught the ball on the wing, it was just him and the primary defender. The next thing is the goal, hmm. right? Where, where now LeBron gets the ball on the wing, got the primary defender. You got and the you weak got side the block, slides over the ball side block, and you got a guy at the elbow. So LeBron sees three guys. Yeah. Right? So passing makes more sense Correct. than it would back in the day. Yeah, and I just think I think LeBron could could lead the league in all five major statistical categories. Blocks, rebounds, assists, points, all that if he wanted to. Mm. Where I don't know if MJ could have done that. Because mm. he didn't I'm not saying he couldn't have, but the mentality that he had, he was just gonna get I'm, on my back and let's go. I'm gonna get there. You right? know he, People say, I probably put Jordan above LeBron, but when LeBron left all three of his teams, they never made the playoffs. When Jordan, his first year when he was playing baseball, the Bulls still made it to the conference semis, I think. Yeah. I think they lost the Knicks in six or seven. Yeah. And check it out. Jordan always played with, not taking nothing from Michael Jordan. Of course. <laughs> Pippen. Yep. Horace Grant. Yeah, Horace Grant was yep. good. Dennis Rodman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tony Ron Kukoc. Harper was nice. Kukoc. Yeah. And oh, by the way, Phil Jackson. Oh, that guy, Phil, yeah. <laughs> LeBron, who'd he take to the to, to winning Cavs? Booby Gibson? Yeah, Bro. Booby Gibson. <laughs> Andy Vergeau? Yeah. Good players. Yeah. Good players, but yeah. they're not Scottie Pippen and, yeah. and Dennis Rodman, right? You know, Mo, Mo, Mo Williams, Williams. Great yeah. player. Yeah. But come on. I think you could put LeBron on any any roster in the NBA right now, just put him in there, they get to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Even hmm. the Ragglass Magic's organization. <laughs> we'll take him. Yeah, I'll take him too. And Bronny too. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Come on down, man. So those were his comments. Oh, Lord. Where, where, where do you see? You know, there's this thing that's been repeated throughout LeBron's career, which is he makes everyone around him better because of the way he plays, because of his playing style. And no one else in NBA history made their teammates as good as the way LeBron did. 
Let me ask you guys a question. Who was able to maximize the talent that they had around them uh, better? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? I think it's quite easy to say it was Michael uh, It was Michael Jordan. LeBron has played with way more talent over the course of his career than MJ did. This is not even up for discussion. It's not even up for discussion. So it means that MJ must know somehow how to extract value from the players that played around him. Number one. Number two, he said that LeBron makes his teammates around him better because for two reasons. Because number one, he's willing to put them in a position to, to succeed. And number two, he has a disadvantage as it was compared to Jordan. Why? Because he said whenever the offensive player catches the ball, at the, the the elbow, the high elbow, whatever, mid-post, wherever, and they face the defense and they want to go into their move. In this current NBA, you can now send a second defender or the help defender and the weak side defender to come over to try to get that guy to move the ball. He's saying in the case of Jordan, the defense could only come or help could only come the moment he made his move. But prior to that, it was one-on-one. Hmm. If the help is coming, for example, to LeBron when he catches the ball, wouldn't that be considered a double team? So wouldn't it be even, wouldn't it be easier to pass out of that double team? That's called a double team. If Jordan has the ball and the help doesn't come while he's holding the ball, He's essentially playing one-on-one. Then we got to ask the question. If the help is only coming over when he makes his move, what is Jordan doing when he's not moving? The most he can do is what? Hit a pull-up sh- a jump shot, right? But in the case of LeBron, it means that he's going to have a wide man open. I'm confused at the point you're trying to make here. So LeBron has what a disadvantage? To I'm trying to figure this out. What's the point he's trying to make here? That what? That Jordan was able to do what? Shoot over defend. Jordan was able to shoot. There are many videos I've seen of Jordan shooting over two and three defenders. So what's the point? Jordan has shot over double coverage multiple times. Jordan has finished at the rim over multiple, uh, um, uh, you know, over multiple players multiple times with more contact. Jordan is adept at playing through. Co- I'm trying to figure this out. He was trying to make it seem as if Jordan has some type of advantage. I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure. That's the first part. The second part is this. He said that LeBron makes all of his teammates better. No, he doesn't. The fact is LeBron's game hurts star players that he plays with. I'll give you guys some examples of players who were star players whose game suffered tremendously as a result of being a teammate of LeBron. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, and to a certain extent, Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis will go for long periods of time where the Lakers won't even get him the ball. Because LeBron is shooting shot after shot after shot after shot. That's the, that's the next part. And finally, you're talking about LeBron makes players better. Jordan didn't make his teammates better? Did you not watch the last dance? Or, is, or do you mean by making your teammates better just by simply passing them the ball? Is that That's how you classify making your teammates better? Do you know that whenever there's a LeBron James team and things don't go well, do you know what the first move is? Blame the team. They don't have enough help. We're top heavy as bleep. How is that? How is he helping his teammates by doing that? By throwing them under the bus or watching the media rake them through the coals of fire. Whenever the team starts losing. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure this out. 
Jordan rode his players, and I believe Jordan was able to extract more success out of players that weren't supposed to, they weren't going to be as successful as they were on their own. On their own. So I'm trying to figure this out. To me, it's just another lousy argument and another lousy attempt to try to dismiss the greatness of MJ. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's over. It's over. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic here. So, the number one thing right now in the NBA uh, is the LeBron James comments that he made, and then Shannon Sharp responding to it, and then Stephen A. Smith and all of that. That's been the number one topic uh, item right now, and everyone is kind of weighed in. Now, when the story first broke, and uh, LeBron put out his response on, on I believe it was Twitter. I said then, I believe it was in the live that we did, that you should expect, you should be expecting a response from Stephen A. Smith to the comments that LeBron James made. I said this should catch no one off guard. Why did I say this? Because Stephen A. Smith always responds to people whenever they come at him or they say something that may look like is directed towards him. And that is exactly what happened yesterday on ESPN First Take. Yesterday on ESPN First Take, it was Stephen A. Smith, Brian Windhorst, Chris Mad Dog Russo, and Molly Karam. And they were talking about this very thing. Uh, and then when it came time for Stephen A. Smith to kind of respond to, to, to the comments that LeBron James made, he didn't mince words. And I think he further crystallized the point he was trying to make all along. So for those of you who didn't hear his response, what we want to do is want to play it for you now and then we'll come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what Stephen A. Smith had to say in response to the comments that LeBron James put out there yesterday. Take a listen to that there. I don't think so. Um, I respect where you're coming from, Wendy. and You know how much I respect your basketball knowledge. Um, you know, <clears throat> the Rich Pauls, the Maverick Carters, and others of the world who are obviously in this camp and incredibly biased, but they should be. Um, they don't get what I'm saying, so I have to temper my point. Uh, Sam Tanucci, exceptional producer, just feel free to put the ticker tape. Because, see, I have to preface comments, dog. I don't know if you've seen this. Let's put it out there. LeBron James, great father, great husband, great director, great businessman, great actor. I mean, we have to put all this. We have to qualify all of this. I mean, because, my God, doggy, unless we're acknowledging that LeBron James is the greatest thing since Jesus, okay, it's an insult. I don't know if you know that, doggy. I, I really don't know if you know this. If you don't call him the second coming of Jesus really? Christ himself, you wow. are insulting LeBron James in wow. the eyes of some people. And that's why Wendy started laughing because he knows I'm telling the truth. Great husband, right. great father, great generous Let's philanthropist, actor, director, businessman, extraordinaire, media mogul, the whole bit. LeBron Wine is collector. all that in the bag of chips. Okay? I mean, everything. Everything. I pay homage to this brother, incredible role model. We will miss him. I'm sincere when I say this. We will miss him when he is gone. The brother is that special. What I'm trying to say is I'm rewinding the clock, and a lot of people want to sit up there and diminish the impact of Pat Riley. Fine. What I would say to you is from an organizational perspective, in terms of establishing who's in control, and y'all can leave Wendy and Doggy up there so I can look at them, in terms of understanding what control and culture is. Here's why Pat Riley's impact can't be ignored. Can't be ignored because of what LeBron James had to depart to go to Miami. You didn't have that level of structure in Cleveland. You know I'm not lying about that, Wendy. Dan Gilbert and the Cleveland Cavaliers organization was not Pat Riley's. 
and the Miami Heat organization. Of course, D-Wade was the catalyst. Of course, he was that dude. We understand that. But in the end, you can't take away what structure and culture Pat Riley established long before LeBron James ever arrived. That's point number one. Point number two, remember, Wendy, the first year LeBron arrived in Miami, who was beside him every press conference? He wouldn't sit down and talk to the media by himself. He was so psychologically warped that D-Wade had to be by his side. Part of that was they were trying to keep them from being pulled apart by the media. That was a defense tactic by the organization, too. That was a a tactic. Okay, Tama, I know that's what they say. I'm aware of that, Wendy. You know that's BS. And if we were, if I was on my podcast, I'd, I'd get Pat McAfee on them and say the word outright, okay? Because the reason why we're talking about how tight these brothers are, you're talking about D-Wade and LeBron James here. Well, nobody going to pull them apart. You can try all you want to. You know the character that's in D-Wade, the kind of man that he is. He ain't going to turn against his brother like that. And you know what kind of character LeBron does. I don't care what they say about LeBron. LeBron ain't going to turn against his brothers like that. That's not how he rolls. So we got to understand that, okay? He was being pacified because mentally he was warped. As an individual talent, he was phenomenal. But in the same breath, because of the shrapnel of criticism that was coming in his direction, because of the pariah that he was labeled to be, because he compromised the Cleveland economy, you're making over a billion dollars for the economy, and you're up and left them, and they burning your jersey and effigy and all of this other stuff that was going on. It was a lot for him to deal with, and it was tough. Well, guess what? Being there helped you get to the point where you ultimately became who you were. I don't know if LeBron James becomes that dude if you didn't have that support. Now, this is the crime. Even whether it's you, Doggy, whether it's you, Wendy, it's me or anybody else. This notion that we can just, we're just going to be who we are and we're just going to be who we're meant to be, devoid of the level of support when we ultimately fall into an abyss because as human beings, we all do. And what is it that propels us, that uplifts us? It's our loved ones, it's people in our inner circles, those who are close to us, who help elevate us to a level where we can ultimately excel and prosper. I am simply saying that was Miami. And so to sit up there and echo words out of your mouth, like, you know what, I was going to be this way regardless, is diluting the importance of the impact the culture of Miami and specifically Dwayne Wade above all else had on you. That's why I was on national television with a big problem. When LeBron James was not seen, he did not attend Dwayne Wade's Hall of Fame induction. I assure you. Dwayne Wade will be there when LeBron James is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, if he was there and he came through the back door in a private jet and nobody knew, fine, I stand corrected. I ain't see him. I didn't see him. And I'm telling you right now, I was stunned. And everybody that I spoke to in the basketball world was stunned that LeBron James, even though it was in the aftermath of Bronny and stuff like that, but we had seen LeBron James on the road thereafter. You take a flight to the East Coast to Springfield, Massachusetts, and you're short for a few hours to be there for Dwayne Wade. Why were we all aghast at his absence? Because it's Dwayne Wade. That's why. Because we know what Dwayne Wade did for him. That's why. It was Dwayne Wade that told him to be a leader. It was Dwayne Wade that had to remind him of his greatness. It was Dwayne Wade that said, yo, I'm the best player on this team. I need this to be you. We can't win without you being you. Because he wasn't against Dallas. That is a fact. And there's no crime, nor is it an insult in telling LeBron James, yo, bro, 
We appreciate your greatness. We know you all-time great. But he won. But he did goats. carry that team later. You're right. We're not saying Dallas, he did it. Wayne, right. We're not saying he did it. Yeah, and that's what I'm Mad saying. You, and get he did. you get in here, and he then did. I've got something to say, Stephen A. Go ahead, Mendo. Well, number one. So you heard what he had to say. Uh, first of all, I think Stephen A. Smith perfectly laid out his position on the issue. I think he perfectly did. I think what Stephen A. Smith was saying was this. Yes, LeBron would have gone on to have, have excuse me, a spectacular career. I also believes he believe he doesn't believe that LeBron would have gone on to win four titles. I don't believe that. I and a lot of people believe LeBron would have probably gone on to win two more titles, one or two more titles. But I think the bigger point Stephen A. Smith was making was no matter who you are, where you are in the world, if you're in a, 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 a power position, more, more than likely, there were people that helped you along the way. So to try to discount uh, discount the impact that those people had on you is not a good look. And in the case of Stephen A. Smith, he was talking about the impact that the, the Miami Heat and specifically Dwayne Wade had on LeBron's career. This is a fact. This is all documented. So for people try to for people that are trying to argue against that, it makes it seem as if the con the contributions that Stephen A. Smith, I mean that uh, Dwayne Wade, Wade made to towards LeBron James' career, were of no consequence, and that's simply not the truth. I think also that's the point that Shannon Sharp was trying to make. Like, no, these guys played a role the same way LeBron played a role in the career of other NBA players, maybe the career of Kyrie Irving, or maybe the career of Anthony Davis. Both players and went on, both of which who went on to win championships while playing with LeBron. So there's no, I mean, it's somebody, no one is an island. No one is an island. And if you check behind every successful per person, there were a lot of people that helped them along the way. I think ultimately that's the point Stephen A. Smith was making. And that's the reason why him and so many people were stunned when LeBron didn't attend the Wayne Wade's Hall of Fame enrichment ceremony or speech. It was surprising because they were like, of all people, Dwayne Wade, you know LeBron uh, was going to be there. So for him to not be there, it was very surprising. And a lot of people have conceded that they believe that Dwayne Wade will be present for when LeBron is being inducted to the, into the Hall of Fame. So you can't tell the LeBron James story without the Miami Heat story. Because he had some of his most successful years in Miami, especially as a basketball player, making those all defensive, all first defensive teams and playing at a high level. We can't discount that. Miami played a role. That's what I believe they were trying to say. They weren't trying to diminish him as a player. These are my thoughts. So what I want to know from you guys, what do you think about what Stephen A. Smith, uh, what he had to say now that you've heard him fully express his feelings, whatever you guys think, please leave your thoughts and comments in the comment section and we catch you on the next show. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.